morning, Overlake. It is wonderful to be with you today. Uh, my name is Mike, one of the pastors on the team, and I really do hope that you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout. And um, a couple months ago, what happened was Pastor Connor, who is a pastor of our young adults here at Overlake, asked if I would come and share with our young adults. And, and he didn't want me to bring a sermon uh, necessarily. What he wanted me to bring was a uh, just kind of sharing from Pastor Mike's heart. That's what he was asking me to do. Just as I thought, as lead pastor of Overlake, what is it that I would want our young people to know and to go after? And, and so I thought about that. I prayed about it. I listened to some sermons. I read a little bit and, and uh, just tried to sit with Jesus and land on what I might be able to challenge our young people with. And, and so I came up with something. And then even as I was presenting it to our young adults, I, I realized that I didn't just want our young adults to know this. I, I realized, and I even told him this when I was given the message, I said, you know, don't be surprised if, if you hear this shared to the entire church body because I feel like everybody needs to, needs to hear this. And, and they said that'd be fine, or at least they didn't say it wouldn't be fine. So, um, so that's what you're getting today. So that's what Jesus brought, that's what you're getting. And so today, it's not a, necessarily a sermon per se. It is more of a talk, but it's a, around the deep hope that I have for each and every one of us. So these kind of phrase as Pastor Mike's wish list. It's a wish list for you. It's for our whole church family today. And if you're filling in the blanks, the first one is this. That I wish for you this realization, if your faith is boring, you're doing it wrong. Okay? If your faith is boring, you're doing it wrong. And it, it's just that recognition that some of you already have a deeply held conviction that Jesus actually invites us into the fullest richest, most abundant life there is. That's John 10.10. 10. That's the invitation that he has for those. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come, that they may have life and life abundantly. And, and, and we know there's, there's something deep inside of us that we know when we take Jesus by the hand and we let him lead us, that there are literally continents of adventure to explore, that there are pinnacles to climb, that, that, it, that our faith offers such deep draughts of, of purpose and life and significance and, and all of it in, in, in terms of adventurously journeying with the Lord of the universe. And so, so that's the first realization that I would wish for you, that if your faith is boring, it simply means we're, we're, we're not doing it right. There's actually a way to shift our thinking, to shift our posture so that boring is the last thing uh, that we would ever use to describe our faith. And it actually brings me to wish two. This is sort of getting into the how we address the issue. Uh, wish number two, I wish for you a courageous act of obedience that costs you something. A courageous act of obedience that, that costs you something, that you recognize that as you say yes to this internal prompting, this, this nudging, uh, you know, we, we talk about Jesus speaking to us or calling to us and and, and I believe that with all my heart, but I would just confess to you that I don't, I, I can't think that I've ever heard an audible voice, but it's been more like a sense of, of prompting or nudging or leading or guiding and, and sometimes even just a thought that would come to my mind that would be a good thought, a kingdom thought, a thought that maybe I wouldn't think on my own and I think, oh, Jesus, are, are you leading me here? Because when we begin to say yes to that, 
when we begin to, to really wrestle with and, and say yes to those things, then that, friends, is where the adventure lies. And it's not something that you just manufacture. It's not just foolishness. That, that, that This is something that some of you already know what I'm talking about, that, that you've wrestled with before, or you've sensed him leading or pulling you. And, and it, maybe it's a new direction. He's, you've sensed, uh, yeah, I think he wants me to enroll in that class. I think he wants me to commit to that group. I think he wants me to change my roommate situation. I think he wants me to, to get a handle on, on my stewardship of my life. And, 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 and whatever it might be, maybe it's just you see a person in your workspace or you see a person in the cafeteria who's experienced unkindness, who sits alone at a table, who, who, who nobody really rallies around, and, and you've sensed him draw you to be kind or to express kindness. And there's a risk involved. There's, there's uncomfortableness involved. And, and so that act of obedience would cost you something. And friends, I want you to understand that this is how you become a deep Christian. If you want to know what it, it looks like to be a deep Christian, here it is. Deep is transformation that comes from radical obedience to God. It's just that transformation, inner transformation that comes when we say yes and we step through and we take a risk. We go after obedience with God. If you think of older Christians, Christians that have been in the faith for a long time following Jesus and you really respect them, you admire them in their faith journey, the chances are great that you don't admire how much they know theologically. What you admire is how they live in lockstep with the Lord. That they're just willing and ready to do what it is that Jesus invites them into. You know, deep is about being out of your depth. Deep is uh, when you can't touch bottom. It's, it's when you're in over your head. And, and that's that uncomfortableness that comes from when you say yes to obedience to Jesus. And you say, well, how is there a cost involved? This is how there's a cost involved. In order to take hold of what God has for you, you've got to let go of what you're already holding on to. That's the cost. In order to say yes to what he has, you've got to let go of something. And, 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 and you know, here's what you need to know. When you say yes to God, when you say, yes, I'm going to do what you're calling me to do, I'm going to step out, I'm going to accept the cost, then that's where your faith becomes alive. That's where you begin the adventure with Jesus. Because in, in that moment, when, when you take a risk, when you step out on a limb with Jesus, you, nobody has to encourage you to pray. Because you're already praying morning, noon, and night. You're, you're already leaning in and depending upon the Lord. And, and so you don't even need an encouragement to pray because you're living a prayer as you take that step of obedience with Jesus. Are you following me? And, and the same thing about the attractiveness to sin. Like, like when, you, when you're on this adventure with Jesus and you're trusting Jesus and stepping out in obedience with Jesus, the things that pull you away from Jesus lose their attraction. You, you don't find them as attractive anymore. Why? Because your, your palms are sweaty and your heart is pounding and you are so dependent upon Jesus in that moment that you don't want anything to pull you away from being intimate with him or, or clinging to him because you are in obedience with him. Are you, are you following me? And you know he needs to show up for you. And, and, and so there's that, that risk, that, that step of faith that's involved in an act of obedience. And, by the way, I, I want to say the flip side is, is also true, and this is where the boring comes in. Because for some of you, you can't think about the last time that you took a, a, an act of obedience that cost you something. Like, even when I say that phrase, you're like, 
I, don't, I, don't, I cannot even recall ever taking a step like that, a step of faith, a step of obedience where it cost me something. And, and, and if that's your posture, if that's the position that you're in, then no wonder your faith is boring. Then you're just flipping through the pages of scripture and you're like, John 11, Lazarus raised again from the dead. You know, oh yeah, the Red Sea parted again for the Israelites. You know, Uh, oh yeah, David kills Goliath again. Yay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like if, if that's your posture, then even the miracles of our faith find you cold. It's not real for you in that moment. But when you begin to say yes and when you begin to move out in faith and obedience, that's where it comes alive. I hope you understand that the original invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's the deepest invitation there is, is simply come follow me. It's in the followership. It's in that recognition that we are on this adventure with Jesus I'll tell you a story of my friend Nancy. Nancy is a part of our Overlake family, and, and she's a dear friend. She told me this story, and, and she gave me permission to share it. Nancy uh, is often here when she, when she feels well enough to be here. And uh, you might know Nancy. Nancy is this beautiful grandmother. Uh, she, uh, she has an oxygen tank that she brings with her, so you might recognize her by that. She also has her hair dyed uh, blue and green for the Seattle Seahawks because uh, she's that holy, and, um, and she's this wonderful, fun, loving person. She, she actually ministers so often out of taco time. That's where she uh, just has this beautiful ministry to the community. And, and so one day, uh, taco time was closed for a bit of a remodel, uh, and so she had to slum it over at Panera. And so she was, uh, she was going into Panera, and as she was entering into the store or into the, 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 the restaurant, she noticed a mom with an eight-year-old daughter. And instantly, she felt like God was prompting her, saying, Nancy, I need you to go talk to that woman. And, and Nancy is so often ready to do whatever it is that God has. But that day, she was feeling a little out of sorts. She wasn't feeling well physically. She was sad. She wasn't at taco time. So there's a couple stuff going on. And, and so she kind of fought with the Lord. She's like, Lord, no, don't, don't, I don't, don't bother me. I don't want to bother them. Like, just no, no. And she really felt like God was saying, Nancy, I want you to go talk to that woman. And so Nancy, and just in her, as she's praying, thinking, you know, her, her prayer thoughts to the Lord, she was like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll go talk to her. But you have got to tell me what it is I'm supposed to say. And so Nancy began to walk over to this mom. And as she did, she felt like God gave her a little kind of a download. And so Nancy begins the conversation. Hey, excuse me. I know this might sound a little weird, but I really feel like God wants me to talk to you and, and communicate something to you today. And, and so the mom looks at her and says, okay. And Nancy said, well, it's, I, I think it's about your daughter. And I think what God wants me to share with you is that she's, she, she's glowing. Actually, it's more than that. She's, it, it's like um, sparks are, are coming off her. Actually, I'm, I'm not getting it right. It, it's like she's, she's radiant and dazzling with glory. And the mom starts tearing up and says, do you know this morning my daughter accepted Jesus to be her Lord and Savior? 
And so Nancy, so Nancy got a glimpse behind the curtain. And Nancy was able to encourage this mom and her daughter's faith journey. And unless your heart is stone, Nancy has also encouraged you today. And, and you see that that's one of those beautiful things that happens when we say yes to the Lord and when we step out. And you say, well, what did that cost her? That cost her some uncomfortableness. That cost her a little risk of being, you know, viewed a little bit strangely. And yet there was such beauty that comes from living a life in which you say yes to that act of obedience that might cost you a little something. And, and I, by the way, again, I, I'm telling you, I want to live my life in this posture, but it, it is tough. I feel like God has to hit me over the head or at least call me on the telephone. Uh, I, I, I've shared this story before, and it's, it's a true story, and it's appropriate here. Um, there was a day when I was ministering in Southern California where we had a pastoral care phone. It was, it was a, a cell phone when the cell phones first came out. And the idea was anybody in the congregation or community could call the church anytime 24-7 and get a live pastor on the other end. And so we shared this responsibility. I had the phone one night, so I, I, I take it home with me. I get a phone call at 3 a.m. Now, full disclosure, I'm not very pastoral at 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm, I'm barely a Christian before 6 a.m. and a cup of coffee, so... So the phone rings, and I, I gather through my sleepy end of the conversation that there's a woman, and she's at the hospital, and she's telling me that her ex-husband is in this hospital, and he's in a coma, but the doctors don't think he has very much longer to live, and he's never accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Could I come down to the hospital and, and talk about Jesus to him and pray with him? Now, I did not feel like going to the hospital. I felt like getting back in bed and going to sleep. But I sensed in that moment that what God wanted was for me to go to the hospital. I just, I just felt it. It was that nudge, that prompt that, yeah, you could just pray with her on the phone, but I need you to go down to the hospital. And so I told her, okay, I'll, I'll come down. I got dressed. I went down to Saddleback Hospital and, and uh, walked into the, the room, and everything was exactly as she described uh, he's in a coma, there are wires and tubes and monitors everywhere, and, and so I go up to his bedside, and I just begin to preach Jesus to him. I just talk to him about how he was created in love for a relationship with the God of the universe, and how sin has separated all of us from God's heart, but God was not content to leave things like that, so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and, 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 and I talked about the importance of the cross, how it's not about the good works that you or I do, but it's about the good work that Jesus has done on the cross, and, and this whole time I'm talking to him about Jesus, he is, he is absolutely comatose, it is, it is completely unresponsive, it felt just like youth ministry to me in that moment right there. <laughs> And by the way, I hope you know I love our students, I love our youth. They're just not the most responsive bunch, is what I'm saying. And so after I'm done, I, I gently take his hand in mine and I say, now I'm going to pray for you. And if you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can squeeze my hand or you can blink your eyes or however you would like to, to respond to this invitation. And suddenly my hand is in a vice grip. And he's shaking his head slightly, and he's moaning a little bit, and there are tears coming down his cheeks. I have never 
been more certain of a humble response to the gospel of Jesus Christ than in that moment. And so I, I prayed with him, and after I was done, I told him, listen, you can be assured of a couple of things. Number one, all your sins are forgiven. Not a few, not many, all of your sins. And then the second thing you need to know is that whenever your journey on this earth is over, you'll be welcomed in heaven with open arms. Meanwhile, his ex-wife is just praising God. She's laughing and she's crying and, and, and she just was so appreciative. And so I, I told her, thank you for calling me, I said, and, and please keep me posted on how things progress. And I, I left, I went home and about a half hour later, I'm climbing back into bed when the phone rings again. And it was this woman and she wanted to thank me once more for coming down to the hospital. And then she said, you need to know, Pastor, that my ex-husband has just passed away into a joy-filled eternity. And when I hung up the phone, I began to weep. Because only Jesus knows how close I was to just praying with her on the phone and going back to sleep. I was so close to missing it. And I've come to realize that, you know, you only see the adventure that God has for you when you say yes to it. That if I would have said no to it, I never would have seen what I would have missed. It's only when we say yes to his leading, yes to his prompting, yes to his call on our life, then we see that it actually is an adventure that Jesus is inviting us into. By the way, I want you to understand, that is what Jesus describes as normal for those who follow him. It, that's the normal relationship that he wants to have with, with the children of God, with sons and daughters of Most High God. This is what he says in John chapter 10. And, and you're familiar when Jesus is describing himself as the good shepherd. He says, the good shepherd, he's talking about himself, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Go ahead and circle that phrase. Because they know his voice. They sense his leading. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. And they know me. And I want you to understand, some of you, we read this verse backwards. We, we think Jesus is putting a guilt trip on us. Some of us in here, we think that, oh, we, we haven't heard the voice of Jesus. And it, it, we don't think we can identify the voice of Jesus. And if we haven't heard the voice of Jesus, maybe I'm not his. I'm not a part of his flock. And, and he, we're reading it exactly backwards. Here's what Jesus is saying. I am your good shepherd. And I am present with you. And I am speaking to you. And, and I am guiding you and I'm leading you. So get your antenna up. Like, understand that you have the ability to listen and to respond and, and to sense my presence and to sense my nudging and, and to step into the adventure that I am laying out in front of you as you take my hand and follow me. About a year or more ago, I was in Washington, D.C. Pastor Josh and I were, uh, had the ability to be in Washington, D.C., and we were staying with our friend uh, May Cannon. May is the, uh, she's the president of the Churches for Middle East Peace, and we've been to Israel with her, and just, she does some great work uh, working over there in the Holy Land. And, um, and we were having a, 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 just a beautiful dinner with her and her husband, Paul. He was there. Paul the, was the CFO of, uh, CFO of Wells Fargo. And, and uh, so it was just, a, it was like a lovely spread in this beautiful home in Washington, D.C., and it was a great night. 
and uh, we're all believers, so we're all talking about Jesus, even actually this topic, we're talking about Jesus is present with us, and Jesus leads us and guides us, just, you know, as he says in John 10, and, and Paul is a believer, he starts to say, well, I've never heard Jesus, I, I've never sensed him talking to me. And I was a guest in his home, so I was very kind, and, and, I, and I said, you know, basically, you're wrong. Uh, you're just, you're, you know. The, the premise is this, I said. He is with you. You're his, and, and so he is speaking to you, and he is guiding you and leading you. And so I said, Paul, let me just ask this question. Where in your life can you sense that he might have been? Where in your life can you sense that he, he brought an idea to you, or he, you felt like this, oh, I... I wonder why I'm thinking about that idea. And, and I said, is there any place like that in your life? And he goes, well, actually, now that you mention it, he says, I've been with Wells Fargo for so long that I feel like my career, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just kind of boring. And, and he said, I keep thinking about Compassion International because we've done work with Compassion International before, and I love what they do for children all around the, the globe. And, and he said, I, I, I wonder if maybe Jesus is prompting me to, to make a move toward Compassion International. And, uh, and I said, well, you, you know, there's a couple of ways that you can view it. I said, is this a courageous move? Yeah, it is. I said, would this help the kingdom of God? Yeah, it seems like it might. Is there personal cost involved? Yeah, there is. For him to, t to stop being the CFO of Wells Fargo and to become the CFO of Compassion International would be a massive pay cut, like 90% kind of pay cut. And so, um, so I said, well, Paul, I'll tell you what. Here's what I would encourage you to do. I said, why don't you just pray about it with me? You guys just talk about it, pray about it. Spend a month or so just having these conversations, bringing it to Jesus. I said, and then whenever you feel like the time might be right, go ahead and call compassion. I said, that's sort of a way that you can get confirmation in all this, is if Jesus might be opening a door there. And so uh, come to find out later, he does almost exactly that. He and May spend about two months praying and processing over what a move toward compassion might look like. And then one afternoon, it's like a Tuesday afternoon, Paul picks up the phone. He calls Compassion Headquarters in Colorado Springs. And they, they, he introduces himself. They put the call through to the president. And the president of Compassion says, hey, Paul, uh, I, I, he goes, listen, I would love to talk with you, but things are a bit chaotic right now. It turns out we've just lost our CFO, and, 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 you know, everything's a little bit of a mess, and can I just call you back next week? And long story short, Paul is now the CFO of Compassion International. And I, I, I say all this because here's what you need to understand. Jesus knows all the algorithms. Jesus knows all the other personal trajectories. Jesus knows all the other storylines. Are you following me? You don't, and I don't. We go through our lives, and we barely know our own storyline. Jesus knows them all, and so he knows exactly the word of kindness that only you can bring to this heart right here. He knows exactly the way that your influence will interact with this life right here. And he will often bring these momentary meetings, or, or he will bring these times when you'll be together with a work partner, or he'll, he'll put neighbors next to each other, or he'll, he'll put people at, at adjacent tables at a coffee shop. Like, you don't know how often the adventure is laid out before you. If you will just sense his lead, if you will just 
feel his prompting and then take that act of obedience that costs you a little something. And your faith will be the opposite of boring. Are you with me? Okay, that's what Jesus has for us. It is that act of obedience that costs us something. The next wish that I have for you is I wish for you an understanding of how powerful you are through serving. That you would realize how much power is available for you when you serve the kingdom of God. When I was a college pastor in Southern California, I, I would tell our students, I, I would say, you need to understand that you are the foot soldiers for the army of God. I, I, I said, you have to realize this. That you are the able bodies and the fresh minds and the willing hearts to be on the front line of anything and everything that God is calling his church to. That you're the ones who need to be uh, holding the, you know, the babies in the nursery and, and playing with the three-year-olds in the classroom and mentoring the middle school students that, and going and, and ministering to street kids on the, uh, you know, the streets of Katali. I said, everywhere in the world that God is calling his church, you have to realize he wants to deploy a willing army for him. And I said, you have to realize that's you. And Overlake, I want to tell you exactly the same thing. It's, it, it's for you. It's not for someone else. This is God's call for you. And the reason why is because day after day after day, if you're not careful, you do the same thing I do. You read the headlines. And so you read story after story of wildfires or storms or natural disasters or political upheaval or violence and, and senseless crime. And, and you read story after story after story. And you get weighted down with worry. And then you feel helpless in this world and you need to understand how powerful you are so when you say yes to serving when you say yes to mentoring a student when you say yes to to serving in the nursery or you say yes to to becoming a part of the east side academy and and, and building into those lives or wherever it is that, that you wade in and begin to serve in ministry, the power of God's Holy Spirit comes in you and works through you and you realize how powerful you really are. You have the power to impact eternity. That is no small thing. So I wish that you would discover that. And if you think about your life and you cannot point to an area where you're serving in ministry, then friends, I wish you would make that course correction. God is calling all of his children, regardless of how old we are, regardless of how long we've been in the faith, he's calling all of his children to understand how powerful they are through serving in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. So that's one of my wishes for you. The next wish for you. Oh, I'm just flying through these now. You thought I was going to take so long, right, to get through all these. I'm just flying. The next wish, number four, I wish for you the freedom and confidence of give, save, and live as a model for your stewardship. Give, save, and live as a model for your stewardship financially. As I was talking to the young adults, I said, I know, because I just, I, I know sort of the hearts of young people. It, it, they were thinking, and even after I talked to them afterwards, I, it was confirmed. So many of the young adults think to themselves, you know what, I'll start dealing with stewardship when I have money to steward. Right? I'll, I'll start thinking about a model for stewardship when I actually make money, but right now I'm, I'm just poor and I'm not making money, so I don't need to learn that model right now. I don't need to bother learning the model of give, save, and live. 
And I said, here's the problem with that. That's like a baby saying, you know, I don't have anything really to say right now. So I'm not going to bother learning a language. I'll learn a language later on in my life when I actually have something to say. That's a dumb analogy, isn't it? It's probably the dumbest you've ever heard. But it's so appropriate. Because the time to learn how to speak is before you have anything to say. Because when you have something to say, you actually want to have the ability then to communicate it. And I'm telling you, the time to learn how to be a good steward of your finances is before you have anything to steward. Come up with the model and then live out of the model. Build that model into all of your life. And then you will have incredible confidence and freedom in how you are living your financial life. And by the way, some of you are discouraged right now because you're, you're not young adults. I'm not going to say you're old, but you're, you know, old. And... Uh, <laughs> So you're thinking, oh, but I don't have time to, to get in on the front end of anything. Here's, here's the reality. The reality is this. The best time to plant an oak tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. It's now. And so this is the moment for us to begin to embrace what it is that God has for us. I've shared this before, Overlake, and I only share it so that you understand from a leadership principle. I realize how dangerous it is to share, but, but my wife and I, we learned these lessons when we were just engaged. So this is 25 years ago that, that my wife, Jody and I, we just decided, you know what, if, if we're going to be involved in church work, the first 10% of any income that comes in, it goes straight back into God's church. That's just immediate. And then we also knew that God has a gen built a generous heart into both of us. So we also find things like World Vision and uh, Katali Project and Eastside Academy that we want to invest in personally because that's just a part of how God's wired us. But that's the first portion. We want to do that as a, as a model that that's God. He's the one who provides everything. So we want to make sure he gets what we want to just say, this is yours, Lord. We praise you for it. We want to be a part of your kingdom. And then it's actually taken us quite a bit longer to get that safe piece in. So it's only been in the last five years or so that we've been able to get to a place where now we're just very consistently saving. And again, if we're giving uh, 10 plus percent to the Lord, we're, we're trying to save 10 plus percent in terms of our monthly income. And then we're trying to live on the rest. And here's what's interesting. The more you can step into a model like that, the more enjoyment you will have knowing that you are a part of God's kingdom and supporting the mission of God year in and year out, month in and month out. And it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And then secondly, you will see the hand of God provide for your family again and again and again. It's so much easier to give God praise for his provision when you're actively being a part of his mission and his ministry. And so I want that for you. I want you to understand how dynamic this principle is. In fact, the Bible talks about this. The more we get giving in the right priority, the more God is free to then pour his abundance out over our lives. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says it in, uh, uh, where are we? Second uh, Corinthians 9. He says, you will be enriched in every way. This is if we're, we begin to give as a, a matter of priority. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So it starts with our generosity towards the Lord, then the Lord enriches us more, and that is for a greater generosity. It's like this upward spiral that the more faithful we are with what we have, then God is free to put more in our hands. 
And again, the, the idea is that we get to be a part of his kingdom and the mission of God in the world today. So these are some things that I wish for you. And the last thing I wish for you is that you would experience the joy of leading a friend to Jesus. I wish for you the, the joy of leading a friend to Jesus. And I mean this personally for you. I'm, 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 I mean this for you personally in terms of your conversations with someone who is dear to you, a dear friend or, or a dear relative or, or a neighbor that's been in your life, that, that someone close to you, that you will have the joy of conversations that last late into the evening, that, that you'll have the joy of of just describing how Jesus has personally impacted your life and changed your family. The sense of hope that you have and the confidence that you have because you are a child of God through your faith in Jesus. My prayer for you is that when your friend finally steps across the line of faith and enters into the waters of baptism, that you are invited into the waters with them because you are such an integral part of their faith journey. That's what I want for each and every one of you. And again, the Bible talks about this. The, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's our confidence. That's our hope right there. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells him. You know, next to that verse, I'd love to have you write this, this phrase, I am someone. Unless someone tells them, I am someone. And in our American culture, uh, just um, talking about the name of Jesus or informing someone about the person of Jesus, that's probably not exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about, because Jesus is well known, at least in our culture today, he's a, he's a known commodity. What, what I'm talking about when I bring this verse up is you letting them understand the authenticness of what a life of following Jesus looks like. Not pretending to be perfect, not pretending to have all the answers, but just being real. As you follow Jesus, will you share that joy and that hope? Will you, will you share that process with a dear person in your life? I got a buddy named Mike Spinello. Mike and I played football together at Mission Viejo High School uh, a, a long time ago. And, uh, and uh, he was defensive end. I was defensive back. We were both first team, all league. I mean, I'm not trying to brag, uh, but we were great. <laughs> it, was just, it was so fun to play. And, uh, and Mike um, and I went to different colleges after high school and and uh, so lost touch for a few years, but then we both came back into the same town for a while, and, and so when we got back in the same town, we started hanging out together, and I had entered into ministry, and so Mike would come, and we'd, we'd talk about things theologically, we'd talk about things spiritually, and he'd always come with questions, and he, his questions would really be kind of on the antagonistic side at first, well, well, are you telling me that you believe this? And I'd say, well, yeah, Mike, actually how I process it is, is kind of like this, and He'd say, well, you can't, you can't mean that you believe this. And I'd be like, well, 
Um, yeah, I mean, how I see it is, is kind of like this, but yeah, this is, this is what I believe in. And so we just have these conversations. Often they'd last late into the evening. He had a bunch of friends who were far from God. So after our nights together, he'd go report to them, you know, all the crazy stuff that I said. And then he'd come back with like 10 more questions. All right, Mike, I got 10 more questions for you. And, and so we'd start going after it again. And, and, and just we, we were doing it in friendship. I, I love this guy. And, and, uh, and, you know, often they'd last late in the evening. Like I said, well, one night... We're having this conversation in my car. We had already arrived at our destination, but the conversation was, was going on and on. And, and finally he said, you know, I, I think I'm in. I, I, I think I believe. And what do I do now? I said, well, let me pray, and then why, then why don't you pray? And so I prayed, and then he prayed. And afterwards, we were both so pumped up. We were just so excited. He's like, oh, man, I, oh, this is great. He's like, what do we do now? Let's, let's go do something, you know? A couple weeks later, he, uh, he, he started asking me about baptism. And I said, yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of the first step of obedience. After you, you, know, after you uh, believe that Jesus is the Lord, then, then uh, baptism is that public witness. And, and so he said, well, let's, let's get baptized. And so I got a couple friends in the car, and it was after dark one day. We drove down to Salt Creek Beach in Dana Point, California, in between the sets of waves. I baptized my buddy Mike into faith in Jesus Christ. I love that guy. And and what I want for you is I want you to be an integral part of someone else's faith story. I want you to be the one that for all eternity, someone says, I want to thank you for investing in me, having those conversations. I want to thank you for those notes you used to write. I want to thank you for for being patient with me when I was antagonistic toward you. I want to thank you for, for never giving up on me and for praying for me. Because of you. That's, that's my wish for you. Like I, I wish that you would have the joy personally of leading a friend to Jesus. And I wish that you would discover the power that comes from serving God's kingdom. And I wish that you would experience the confidence of give, save, live. And I wish for you that incredible act of obedience that costs just a little something. Because I'm telling you this, when you live out of this posture, your faith is the opposite of boring. When you take Jesus by the hand and you say, wherever you lead, I'll follow. Whatever you want, that's what I want. That Jesus, I care about these the way you care about these and and I want my life to matter in this world. When you live out of that posture, your faith will be the adventure that Jesus intends it to be. Amen? Amen. All right. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, my prayer is a prayer of gratitude right now because in so many ways, 
I am thankful that you have already created this incredible, beautiful, passionate family of followers of yours that are already willing and ready to do whatever it is you call them to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet us now, that you would speak to us clearly, that you would continue to lead us and guide us and prompt us, giving us your courage, giving us your strength, uh, revealing to us where we can serve and how we can steward and, and, and the best way for us to share. And, and Lord Jesus, we, we want to live with our hearts pounding in our chest. We want to live with, with our palms sweaty, depending totally upon your presence in our lives. We love you, Lord. We know that you're with us. We ask simply for the courage and the capacity to listen and to obey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.